Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's the final Sunday without NFL games until February. We're just a handful <laughs> of days from kicking off the 2023 NFL season. But while we wait, don't worry, college football, we have our hands full with it with the way that the action was taking place here in week one. Do you believe now? Yes, we will get to the upsets and Coach Prime of it all in a moment. But first, as we welcome you into the Lombardi line on DraftKings Network and VSIN, YouTube TV, Samsung TV Plus, we now welcome in the one and only Michael Lombardi, former NFL executive. How are you, my friend? Happy Sunday. Last one, last one. Happy Sunday. Last one, yeah. But we still got football today, which is awesome. A great day yesterday. I, I really enjoyed the college games, and there was so much uh, – Intrigue, obviously Colorado's big win and the talk of the country right now and Deion Sanders and, and the team he put together and credit them for being able to play as well as they did on opening day. Yeah, perfect place to start. Let's get into it. The story yesterday. I was about to go on air for my open hit yesterday at Auburn, Michael, as I hear the news that Colorado's really going to do this. They go on an upset number 17 TCU, a team that was just a year ago playing for a national championship. Uh, the Buffs win it straight up as a 21-point consensus dog, 9-1, to 8-1 to one on the money line, 45-42 your final in Deion Sanders' Power 5 coaching debut. Total goes well over, but what a way to start the season and what just an incredible performance from the two stars of that Colorado Buffaloes team, Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter. And the heat, you know, I think we lose sight of watching it on TV. We forget how hot it was, right? And these two kids played extremely well. Sanders, their whole offense did credit uh, what they were able to do offensively. I think when you play that 3-3-5 defense, there's a lot of easy throws within it. And when you don't pressure Sanders like they didn't do, uh, he was going to torch them. And obviously Hunter, Weaver, and Horn, those kids played extremely well. And their offensive line deserves a ton of credit, you know, for being able to. But I think Dion's been able to, you know, whenever you go against the trend, right, how many new players? My surprise was, Stormy, how well they came together mm -hmm. so quickly, right, with so many new faces. But whenever you go against the trend, whenever you do something that's unconventional, people are going to doubt you. And, you know, and it goes back to the old saying, if we're all thinking alike, no one's thinking. I mean, Dion changed his approach. 
He knew the recruiting going on there under Carl Durrell wasn't very good. He had to get better players. He did. He got a quarterback. He got a great receiver who plays both ways. Mm -hmm. He's the Jim Thorpe of the NFL right now uh, of college football. And, uh, you know, they were able to come away with a win in, in a hard-fought place, especially when a young team like this wins in the fourth quarter. Look, they made the stop defensively that they needed to make, whereas TCU on fourth and two couldn't make the stop. Yep. The go-ahead 46-yard touchdown was a thing of beauty. And then, of course, as you referenced, Colorado was able to get the stop with the with what 55 seconds left in the game to put this one away. Again, 45-42, your final score there. Shador Sanders, 510 yards, the most ever by a Colorado quarterback uh, um, with four touchdowns, 38 of 47, no picks. As Deion Sanders himself said, he's bringing his luggage, and it's Louie, and it came in the form of his own son, Travis Hunter, wide receiver one and corner one. <laughs> the, like, the kid was making plays like crazy. You mentioned the heat. He plays 129 snaps in 105-degree heat on that turf, and their impact plays, Michael, 11 catches, 119 yards as a wide receiver, has that diving interception, three tackles, a pass breakup, um, and the dominant coming out party, Michael, surprised the majority of people in the country, but it did not surprise Coach Prime himself. Take a listen to what he had to say after the game. What's up, boss? You believe now? You, you, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, no. Do you believe now? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. I read through that bull junk you wrote. I, I read through that. I sifted through all that. Yeah. Oh, no. Come on. Do you believe? You don't believe. You just answered it. You don't believe. Next question. He all, and, and he kept going, Michael, because he was talking about Shador Sanders, his son. He goes, from an HBCU, that guy that played at Jackson State last year, the one you asked me, why would I give him the starting job, just kept going, talking about the receipts he's got. He is living on cloud nine. Yeah, well, and I think what, what gets caught a little bit out of sync here is what a good staff Dion put together, right? I mean, and as I've said before on this program, I think Sean Lewis is one of the best offensive minds in college football. He did a great job at Kent State. Nobody really knew about him, but Dion did, and Dion hired him and let him run the offense. And he's the, you know, run it. Gary Harrell is the assistant head coach. I mean, um, excuse me, uh, Charles Kelly is the defensive coordinator. They did a good job of making adjustments. The longtime Pitt defense coordinator, Sal Sinceri, who's been at Alabama, has been a lot of places. He's on the staff. You know, Tim Brewster is their tight end coach. I mean, they've got really good coaches on the staff, and I think it's a credit to Dion, you know, that he's able to lure those coaches there. He let them coach. He's the CEO of the program. I mean, he motivates them. He recruits the players, and he's got a really good eye for talent. So I don't think you can dismiss it. I mean, saying he's the CEO isn't a knock on him. It's exactly what great leaders do is they find the right people, they put the system in place, and look, he's brought Colorado football to its relevant. Now, do I believe that they're going to win a national championship? No, but I think now we see he's got this program going, and it's only going to get better. So that's where I want to go next with this angle, Michael, because while – Yesterday was so impressive, and you win a game against a top-20 opponent as a 21-point underdog, your first game as a head coach with all of these new pieces. You talk about the new players coming in, the influx of talent. 86 new players coming in here, just 10 returning scholarship players from a year ago. So, yes, there is a lot of positivity. But this is still a team that 
was predicted with a three and a half win total. Yes, that has ticked up to five, but it's still five, right? Like this is a team that has a very, very difficult schedule in the Pac-12 ahead and a lot of question marks still about that defense that led up 42 points. We have to remember this is a TCU team as well that despite playing for a national title a year ago did get embarrassed in that national championship game and also lost their starting quarterback in Max Duggan, who was a Heisman finalist, lost their starting wide receiver, Quentin Quentin Johnson, to the NFL. Um, Their defense is not exactly something to write home about, like I referenced. So let's temper expectations a little bit. I wonder what Deion Sanders is going to be like when they they do start losing games and they aren't able to maybe go head-to-head with an Oregon. Or, I mean, that game on September 30th against USC and September 23rd at Oregon, like, I'm so excited to see what those types of matchups are going to be like down the line. Yeah, I mean, look, he's got it going, right? And And now all of a sudden people are no longer talking about the transfer portal. They're talking about how well they played. They're talking about, right. you know, they're going to be a formidable opponent. And so every week it gets harder. Every week it becomes more challenging to, to, uh, to the team. You know, every win makes the next win harder because people don't take you lightly. But give the guy credit. He came in with a plan. You know, he made no bones about it. He changed the, the tenor of the, of the culture within the building. And he did, he did the right thing, and he's building this program. And he's proven that he knows what he's doing in terms of you can just see the talent on the field. I mean, this is not a talentless team. Yeah. I mean, even if Hunter weren't on the field or Sanders weren't on the field, they played really well yesterday, and they beat a good, well-coached team in TCU. So, yeah, and, you know, and I, Michael, I think – made... I, I mean, look, they made the plays at the end of the game that TCU didn't make. Yeah, and you made that point of buy-in. I think that's what's so important when you have all these new pieces for them to be able to become cohesive so quickly. Like, they're buying what Coach Prime is selling, and let's just see if this carries on. Um, But in terms of, you mentioned Sanders and Hunter there, Heisman Trophy odds, Hunter goes from 100 to 1 down to 40 to 1. Shador Sanders from 150 to 1 in the market to 41 to 1. National championship odds from 200 to 1 cut in half to 100 to 1. And then we push it forward to just next week, Michael, where they're taking on the Nebraska Cornhuskers against new head coach Matt Rule. Colorado was an 8.5 point underdog in that game prior to yesterday's result. Now on DraftKings overnight, they're a 2.5 point favorite against Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, look, again, you know, one of the things we, we don't talk enough about is the book has a hard time figuring out these transfer portals and the players. Right. And so there's always going to be a little bit of a of a, you know, a, a miss up. Look, Texas State beats Baylor yesterday. You know, Baylor's a 26 point favorite. You know, yep. I think to me, the first weekend, we got to take a step back and really analyze some of this because a lot of the plays in the first week are guesses. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, this team's going to play this team well or this team's going to play another. And you're going to have a bad week because college football, we do not have any preseason. And we do not really know the depths of it. I mean, yesterday we talked about Texas A&M. Will their offense be better? You know, I know Petrino's a really good coach, right? And, you know, they made no bones about it. They made it very clear that they their offense is going to be much better this year than it was last year in terms of how well they dominated that game. So... I think this is week one is you're collecting a lot of data on these teams and trying to understand them. I mean, look at Oklahoma yesterday. I mean, I know it was not a formidable opponent, but I mean, Oklahoma, you know, they played, they played well, their offense looked much better. And I think they're just, you could tell they're you can tell that they're back to where, 
you know, they at least are on the right track. I'm not saying they're going to be great, but we talked about their overtotal. I mean, yeah. Arkansas State with new coach, uh, 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 you know, uh, oh, shoot. I, I can't think his of his name, name right now either, but yeah. He, uh, uh, I got buzz a, on the brain. I got buzz Butch on the brain. Jones, I always think yeah. Of him as, it was a rough go for you know, him on the field at the end of the game. Right. So I think, you know, you got to give this some, you know, it's going to take some time to get it going. But look. I, I think we can peel back a lot of layers. Like, I thought Drew Aller, your guy Drew Aller at Penn State against West Virginia yesterday, I think he's really good. And I think he's that Penn State team has a chance to be really good. You know, everybody was on North Texas State because everybody thinks Cal can't move the football. Well, Cal looked like they can move the football pretty good, right? They scored 58 points. Yeah. We wanted to get the show started with the big news of the day, talking all things Colorado and that upset, but we'll get into more of what you just referenced there. A lot of the outcomes from yesterday, Oklahoma, that final 73-0 against Arkansas State. You meant no preseason, but there were a couple of those cupcake tune-up type games for certain teams, Oklahoma being one of them. Oregon, we saw with an 81-7 final against Portland State. You have those, those teams covering the total by themselves. We'll get into more of that in a moment, especially when it comes to quarterback play we saw yesterday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. The updated NFL betting guide is out now. Throughout this NFL preseason, our experts have been reevaluating every single team to help give you at home a betting edge. This guide has picks from every on-air host, team-specific preseason analysis. Michael Lombardi breaks down all 32. How to use our VEASAN betting splits as well as football contest strategies. If you want the best and most comprehensive collection of picks, predictions, and previews, now is the time to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber for as low as 19 bucks. You can also save 50% off the monthly price. When you do our annual subscription, help you bet smarter all year long. Sign up today with vcin.com slash subscribe. And trust me, 
you're going to want to get all of that information with the NFL season officially kicking off this Thursday, Thursday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs and Detroit Lions going head to head. Speaking of uh, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes and our guy Josh Allen getting into a little social media conversation as Wyoming and Texas Tech were going head to head. Michael, yesterday, Wyoming ends up converting a fourth down on a two point conversion in overtime to upset visiting Texas Tech. That was a fun one last night to close out the evening. Yeah, you know, and we talked about it yesterday on the show, Stormy, as you were on the planes down there in in, in, in Auburn, you know, watching, uh, I mean, UMass. I mean, I can't believe people were betting UMass. I know they beat New Mexico State, but that program to go into Auburn, especially with, you know, with, with the first game for Hugh Freeze, it didn't seem right, but people did anyway. But the, a lot of a lot, everybody was talking about Wyoming and how hard it is to play there. You've been there. The altitude's an issue. And Texas Tech's a good team, but, you know, to me, they were 14-point favorites. That's a tough place to beat two te- a team by two touchdowns. Yeah, that elevation at 72-20 doesn't do anybody a whole lot of favors. But to what no. you said about Auburn, Michael, I genuinely, genuinely still stick by this, that I think UMass could have really stuck with Auburn more in the first quarter and first half had their starting quarterback not gotten injured on the opening drive. He rushed for 50 yards and a touchdown their first drive of the game, but he got injured the play before they scored that touchdown and was dealing with a significant knee injury. It seemed throughout the rest of the game, he's a mobile guy and didn't have the opportunity to be mobile for the next three quarters. So, um, but that's what happens though, Stormy, when you you can't take a level up, yeah, you take a level up. You're always worried about, you know, the, 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 the difference in between men and, and boys, right? You know, and so that's what causes the injuries. It's a different game, right? And so you end up seeing it and, you know, and you say, oh, unfortunately for the injury, but sometimes that's what happens when you raise your level of play. Yep, and uh, that's an, an Auburn fan base that I got to tell you was extremely excited Incredible. there yesterday. It was <laughs> I, That was my first time it, there, Michael, and to see the Eagle come down, all of that was – like the pageantry, even for a UMass game, they had 88,000 strong. They had add extra seating this year. Uh, it, it was really, really cool. We'll see how Auburn ends up there in a Cal there, next Stormy. week. It's what? Oh, it yeah, is. It's a religion down there. No I mean, question. It's, you know, it's it's incredible. I mean, there's nothing like it. Ole Miss, even they're playing Mercer, and, you know, <laughs> they put up 72, and there are people there. I mean, it's great. I mean, that's that's what we love about the fall. And this weekend, Labor Day weekend, is is the really we're going to get, get it going, and that's the best part. Yep, Auburn hits the over themselves in that game. 59 goes over the total of 52, beating UMass 59-14. They cover that closing number of 35. But as you said, UMass was getting bet after that win over New Mexico State week one, bet down from 39 and a half to 35. But um, I think people would prefer to hear about some of the top quarterback play we saw yesterday, Michael, and, and some of those Heisman yeah. hopefuls, some of those potential number one draft picks, Caleb Williams, Drake May on display yesterday. I know you liked what you saw. You know, I did. And look, I think Sam Hartman at 14 to 1, I think it was yesterday, I talked about this. I, I would go play that. I mean, Notre Dame's going to be good offensively, and he's really good. And Notre Dame's PR machine can create votes. I mean, they can, they can win the Southern primaries if they have to. So <laughs> you got him. But then you watch Drake May. You know, and Spencer Rattler, you, know, you could see the difference in between the two quarterbacks. Drake May is elite. And when I say he's elite, he's elite. He jumps off the screen to you. You know, he's got great size. He's got great poise. He's got incredible instincts. He knows where he's going with the ball. He's accurate. You know, this is not a slam dunk that Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman. I don't think so because 
maybe he wins the Heisman, but the debate will be from today or from yesterday all the way through until Goodell's on the stage. And, and I think what's wherever, I think Tennessee's the next place it's going to be. I don't know where the next draft is. But until that name gets released, it's going to be a debate back and forth. Who is the best quarterback and who's going to be number one? Because whoever's number two, they're going to get a good player too. And that doesn't even count Michael Penix, who I thought was exceptional yeah. yesterday, right? So there's a lot of good young players, a lot of good young quarterbacks in this next draft. We may have an elite quarterback draft moving forward. Caleb Williams, an odds-on $5 favorite to be the number one overall pick next year. Uh, Drake May, plus 550 on that odds board. As for the Heisman this year, Williams, the favorite at plus 450. Michael Penix Jr., 8-1. to one. And then Drake May all the way down there at 22-1. to one. But now if, if the defense yesterday we saw from UNC was any indication, uh, nine sacks did not allow South Carolina to run the ball at all. If they can actually back up what we expect to be a potent offense for North Carolina, maybe they can make a little bit of a push here in the ACC and make a name for themselves and get him more um, in that conversation. 22-1 to one, again for Drake May on DraftKings right now. He had two touchdowns. Uh, yes, did have the two INTs later in the game with uh, the last 18 minutes or so, but led the heels down the field for scores on five of their opening six drives. Um, he made a lot of NFL throws in that game. Look at the stat line for Michael Penix Jr. It was a little bit of a slow start. They were down 6 nothing to Boise after the first quarter, but he figured out that puzzle seamlessly. 450 yards, matched a career high, five touchdowns, got it out to four different receivers to do so. Uh, not a good look for, for the Mountain West preseason favorite, by the way, in Boise State. They lose 56-19 to 19 in that one. And, and Caleb Williams, no surprise, he came up big. 319, five touchdown passes, a route of Nevada. And if this theme continues, Michael, uh, the Mountain West is calling the Pac-12 daddy this week. And Oregon State's got yeah. San Jose State later today, which we'll preview in a bit. Yeah, I think to me there's so many good quarterbacks in, in the Pac-12. I mean, Cameron Ward, you know, yeah. a lot of people were on Colorado State yesterday, right? There were a lot of Colorado State fans yesterday. And Cameron Ward, I think, is a really good player. Nobody knows about him. Washington State's in limbo. They don't know where they're going to play, whether they're going to the, you know, what conference are they going to make their own Pac-12 is what Bruce <laughs> Feldman wrote about this morning on The Athletics. So along with Oregon State, but he was sensational. And Jaden DeLara down at uh, Arizona. I mean, they beat, I know it's Northern Arizona, but two years ago, Northern Arizona upset Arizona. This wasn't a game. It was 38-3, to three, probably should have been more. But there's a lot of quarterbacks, and, and I think we're going to see the Pac-12. It's a shame it's disappearing because there's so, many, there's so many good quarterbacks. And yesterday, we got introduced to a young one. I mean, we got this Dante Moore from Detroit who was flipped late in, in, a, in the recruiting process, actually went down to the last day. You know, Oregon thought they had a commitment from them the whole entire time. And, you know, UCLA flipped them. And even though they have the Kent State quarterback, Kalen Shells, Colin Shells, uh, Moore comes in and, and he ends up being the guy and he's going to be the guy from moving forward. 27-13, that final for UCLA over Coastal Carolina. Um, we referenced it a little bit last segment, but also pretty shocked to see Texas State goes out and beats the fighting Dave yeah. Verandas. Baylor goes down 42-31. Bobcats' first Power 5 win in program history as a 28-point dog. Michael uh, took some took a little bit of money there, ended up closing, I want to say, 26.5-27. But the biggest upset in college football since Kansas upset Texas in 2021. 
one. Uh, and then on the look ahead line for this week two matchup with Utah was a one and a half point yeah. spread. Michael, I have a feeling when the college football lines revealed show comes out later today, that's uh, going to be a little different. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, we know Utah's good. You know Utah's good. I mean, no matter who plays quarterback for Utah, no matter where they change their pieces, they're a tough physical team, you know, and, and they're always a good play. And Baylor, I mean, they got whooped. I mean, that wasn't that game was over at halftime, Stormy. That game was yeah. over at halftime. And I think the score's a little deceiving in terms of the, the separation. So, yeah, I think this line, I don't know if Baylor's on the right track or if that was an aberration, but, you know, Aranda's going to have a lot of work ahead of him. No question. Uh, later on in hour two, we're going to talk to our guy, JVT, who hosts the College Football Lines Revealed show uh, every Sunday. He'll give us some perspective on the games. He's most excited to see what numbers might move, his recap of the weekend, as well as looking ahead to three games tonight, which we're going to do in the next segment as well. I say tonight. They're all day games. What are you going to do? Uh, 7.30 <laughs> Eastern. So for me in the Pacific time zone, 4.30 Eastern. They're, they're day games. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, perfect. That's, that's the I late the game for me is 4.30. <laughs> Yeah, well, after your travel schedule, Stormy, I'm sure you're, you know, you got a nap ahead of you. So that's a good thing. I am riding on fumes right now, Michael, not going to lie. I landed. Oh, you're I'm, not. Don't tell anybody that. But, Nobody would have known, Stormy. Don't reveal it. I think you're that good. Three, uh, producer Elliot Bowman and I were discussing this before the show. I think like the three and a half hour mark is a good one because you're mm -hmm. not like, I don't know. I feel like I have energy right now. These fumes are maybe sure like do. I'm not enough air to the oxygen to the head or something because I'm, I've got a lot of energy right now and I planned an orange theory workout for as soon as I get off here and then a nap. I think that's when I'm going to have the crash is right Beautiful. after that. Love so. it. I love <laughs> it. Well done. Prayers up for your girl. It's the first weekend. Okay. I'll get into a rhythm. It'll become routine, <laughs> but uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Continue our college football talk. When we return the market, key matchup of the day LSU and Florida State the rematch coming at us later that and more in a moment This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Get rewarded before you ever place a bet with the G-Bank Visa Signature Card. Unlike other credit cards that decline sports betting transactions or treat them as a cash advance, the G-Bank Visa Signature Card can load directly to your favorite sportsbook apps. You'll earn a 1% cash reward on gaming and sports app loads every time and 2% on other purchases. G-Bank Visa, a card designed for gaming and sports fans everywhere, works with apps like DraftKings, BetMGM, and Caesars. To learn more, head over to g.bank slash vsin. That's g.bank slash v-s-i-n. As we welcome you back to the Lombardi line alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Tony. I am holding it down at the Circa Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. Michael, we've got three more college football games to preview for tonight. But real quickly before we get to that, I want to get your opinion on what we saw from the first play from scrimmage from Michigan yesterday. J.J. McCarthy and his crew comes out. They put the arm up in a single final line with the four, which was Jim Harbaugh's number when he played at Michigan back in the day, giving a tribute to their head coach and his self-imposed suspension for the first three games of the season. What'd you think? I, I, a, little, a little much for me. Well, I got to say this, you know, I haven't been around the program. I went and talked to the team. Yeah, you were there this, this summer. This is a United team. Yeah, this is a United team. And, and it made all the sense in the world to me. I mean, they're, they're completely uh, one. They are very much a part of, they're connected from the coaching staff to the players, to the support staff. 
So this didn't surprise me at all. I, I think it's, it's a unification of their team, and it's them against whomever they are, whoever they play. So it, it made sense to me. And, look, uh, you know, I think that the three games, that, that it, they, well, they play Rutgers in game four. That'll be the Big Ten. But they'll get through this. They have a really good team. I wasn't sure how good Ohio State was yesterday. I know you were working, but they didn't look like the same team they were last year in terms of their ability to just move the ball. It's 13-3 to game against Indiana until the last couple – until the fourth quarter. Yeah, Kyle McCord, um, who's named the starting quarterback earlier this week, didn't look the way I'm sure they anticipated, although we do know Ryan Day is a, a quarterback guy. He has the ability to get the most out of the position as the season goes on. Uh, I think that that will happen, but that's why I was trying to tell you last week, Michael, when I was making my college football playoff predictions, and I had Penn State in there, and I had this conviction about the young quarterback, Drew Aller, and maybe that gap between the Ohio States and Michigans of the world not being as wide with Penn State. State Aller 21 to 29 325 yards three touchdowns no picks uh big 38 15 win over West Virginia um and his weapons on the offensive side of the ball the skill positions all looked really really good as well Keandre Lambert that 72 yard strike looked effortless Singleton and Allen the running backs picked up where they left off but what, what I did want to say about the the Michigan thing Michael I did love listening to J.J. McCarthy in his post-game press conference talk about how the feeling without Harbaugh on the field was different, right? Like, he, yeah. the energy that he brings, the the type of coach and the belief that he has to get his guys rallied up, it does make a difference. The reason I felt it was a bit much is because, like, it's not like he's got some illness and he's in the hospital or something bad <laughs> happened to him. He just he's being allegedly lied to NCAA investigators, so he has a self-imposed program-imposed three-game suspension. Like free Harbaugh, they you know, come on. It's, it's I don't think it was necessary personally. If you really want to tribute the man, play the game in khakis. That's what I say. Well, I yeah, wear glasses. <laughs> I, I think I think a lot of the players feel like and being around the program feel like the, the, the punishment doesn't fit the violation. Right. And so, but it was we, and we don't have to That's get what in. I'm saying. Well, they tried, they, the only reason they self-imposed because they, the, the NC2A rejected four games, which they had agreed on. Right. And then all of a sudden they changed. So there'll probably be a 30 for 30, this as we move forward. But I, <laughs> I do think the head coach's personality, his intense competitiveness, which I've seen firsthand, uh, it's rare. And the team has this. The team has this. And so you can just feel they are, as I said, connected. And that connectivity is going to help them as they try to get through this Big Ten, which will not be an easy endeavor, I can tell you that. No, it will not. Uh, UNLV and Bowling Green, the next two opponents for Michigan without Harbaugh. And I think they'd still probably win those games, even if yours truly was calling plays. So uh, to move it along to the action that we do have coming up tonight, Michael, I'm going to go in reverse order of when these games are actually happening yeah. in order of interest. And the marquee matchup today is certainly that top 10 game between number five LSU, number eight Florida State, the rematch this time at Camping World Stadium out there in Orlando. 7.30 Eastern kick on ABC. LSU sitting a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this spot. I mean, this game hung around a field goal for most of the summer, so it has come down with Florida State taking some money. The total down a point from 57-and-a-half to 56-and-a-half. But two teams, Michael, that could not be more similar in their expectations. What are you looking at tonight? 
Well, again, I think we get a game where we get two quarterbacks that need to get evaluated for the next level, right? Jaden Daniels, the transfer from Arizona State, went to LSU when Brian Kelly came in there. I thought he played way better last year at LSU than he did at Arizona State. He played well as a freshman. I thought his sophomore season wasn't very good. Last year, I thought he kind of got it back going again. And then Florida State, you know, Jordan Travis, the transfer, he comes in and, you know, from Louisville, and, you know, he's a prospect. So I, I like games where you have two quarterbacks that you can watch. Both, the, both of them are prospects, Rattler and May. You know, Michael Penix yesterday, yeah. you know, obviously the Boise State quarterback wasn't there. But still, you have a sense of it, and I, and I really enjoy that. And I think that's what this game will come down to. It's, it's cliche is to say whichever quarterback plays the best will win. But that's typically the case. But the level of comp in these games is so good, right? And because you've got two good quarterbacks battling against one another. I wish I would have foreseen this coming down as much as it is. I do have LSU minus two. I laid it earlier last week. Um, I just I think that LSU is really strong. This is going to be, yes, a quarterback battle, as you referenced, but also a fun um, battle in the trenches between LSU's really strong offensive line, Florida State's D-line. I'm curious, and we'll discuss this a little bit further when Glenn Gilbo joins the program, uh, national columnist for OutKick, covers the LSU Tigers very closely, how he thinks that LSU is going to be able to handle the absence of Mason Smith, um, of course the NIL, uh, pre-NIL autograph signing incident that's keeping him out of the most important game of the year tonight, how that might impact the Tigers in this spot. But uh, Jordan Travis led the ACC in QBR last year. Really, really talented guy. Jaden Daniels, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions. Last year, I think that he was too much of a first read, and if it's not there, use the legs, go. He did lead the um, FBS in rushing yards by a quarterback last year, but I need to see that passing progression, right? And so that's mm -hmm. kind of what I'm really looking for in this game from Jaden Daniels specifically is what have they worked on on the offseason and will it pay dividends here in a really critical game that's going to have college football playoff implications from week one on? Yeah, and Brian Kelly, you know, when you look at his team, everybody's back offensively. You know, they have a bunch of returners there offensively. I know they lost Boutte, but, you know, they have their kind of their core offense in place. Defensively, he's got five new starters, transfers, that came in. You know, and so that's really where I think we're going to see this game. Can those Are those guys as good as they feel like they can play? You know, are they going to be able to give them – you know, the ability, Jordan Jefferson, the defense attack from West Virginia, is he going to be good enough, right? They got Zy Alexander, the transfer from Southeast Louisiana. He's going to play cornerback. All these kids, can they make a difference in terms of stopping this Florida State offense? And so I, I think that's going to be the key to the game because I think Florida State, when you look at their team, I mean, they have, few, they have two transfers on defense, right? And most of their transfers are really on offense, especially at one of them, Coleman, at the receiver position. So, you know, that, that, that's kind of where the game goes. And because of these transfers, we don't really know how they fit in and how well they'll play. I think that's going to be the key. How good is LSU on defense? Also, last 90 seconds here, Michael, Oregon State uh, down from a 17.5 point favorite to 16.5 at San Jose State to today, 54.5 the total uh, standalone spot, 330 Eastern on CBS. But DJ Uyunglele making his debut as an Oregon State Beaver. 
Yeah, and I'm excited to see John, what Jonathan Smith does with him, right? You know, because I think he's a really good quarterback coach, and I think he's got a really good system that makes it easy on the quarterback. We're going to l- l- learn a lot about DJ. He was a, t- a fi- is he a, a five star mistake, or is he a legitimate five star that just was in the wrong system at Clemson? To me, that's what we're going to find out. And Oregon State's one of those teams. You know, I know the line's moving against them, but Oregon State. I think Smith does an incredible job there, and I think these teams are usually well prepared. It's kind of funny; a lot of people, the line's moving, uh, you know, down because everybody's playing San Jose. Yeah, uh, Oregon State. Good to remember, one of the more dependable teams in FBS football last year. And I always wonder the debate with a team like San Jose State that did get to play first. Yeah, they got the rust off, but now Oregon State also has film on them, and I feel like that can play an advantage in the in the Beavers' yep. favor. I was laughing also. I saw an interview with Jonathan Smith last week previewing this week one game, and this is a guy who, who mind you, threw the ball to TJ Husmanzada, was asked about DJ Uyunglele, and he took a pause and was like, DJU, as we call him, uh, he said, like, the, he, they finally pulled out a pronunciation out of him, and it was like, ooey, galalili. <laughs> even the head coach has trouble I don't with even it. Try to, I don't even try to say it, Stormy. I, for two years, I just say DJ. My like, dad, I don't even try it. Like, my dad once said. I mean, I get Smith wrong. My, I get Smith wrong. My dad once said Iguadala, and I was like, wrong sport, Richard. Wrong sport. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. 
Our very own Michael Lombardi has just written his second book, Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. And now, for a limited time, you can get a free copy of Michael's new book when you become a VEASAN Pro annual subscriber. Sign up on a new VEASAN Pro annual subscription today and use the promo code Lombardi. Get an entire year of VEASAN Pro access. That's our daily best bet, season prep betting guides, 24-7 video, and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits. And also, football done right. Remember, use that promo code Lombardi when you sign up. A VEASAN Pro annual subscription. This is a limited time offer, so sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. And people at home, try not to be too jealous, but... I have one coming in the mail. I'm very excited, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I appreciate it. How it's excited to, are you? Like all the, all the hard work finally, you know, getting put <sighs> out there this week. You know, it's, it's, it's humbling to do it. And, you know, and it's fun to, that you put it together. And hopefully, you know, people can pick it up and read it. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of debate about it. Because that's the one good thing about writing this kind of book is everybody's entitled to their opinion and everybody's going to want to argue with you about who's your number one player, who's your number one coach. You know, why isn't this person in there? Why isn't that person in there? So, you know, it, it, it'll stir a lot of conversation. And I thought for me, selfishly, it was a, a really a labor of love because I got to do a lot of research that I wish I would have done when I was still in the league because it really has helped me understand the evolution of the game. I bet that was a great exercise and learning some more of those stories as well. Um, really excited to get my hands on it. And, and we'll talk a little bit of college football here in a moment. We're going to go through some red chip, blue chip coaches as we continue that series. Michael, you and Femi have been doing a great job on the GM shuffle there. But but first, we do have one more game in college football coming up today. I want to get your opinion on first game of the day, 9 Pacific, noon Eastern in the Big Ten. It's the back to the birthplace game, Northwestern at Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights opened a four-point favorite. We now see it at six, six and a half. Total down a point to 39 and a half. And for this Northwestern team that went one and 11 a year ago and had a tumultuous offseason, with the removal of their head coach, Pat Fitzgerald, seems like another uphill battle this mm -hmm. season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, Northwestern, how their approach is to the game. And, you know, because they, their season has gotten pulled from, from them, right? And so, you know, Skip Holtz, the former Louisiana Monroe coach, is in there to help them out. He's not formally the, the head coach, but he's in there to try to offer some support. And, you know, this is year three of, of – of Greg Ciano's program at Rutgers. I think finally he's got an older team. And, you know, the, always the thing about Rutgers, I mean, they've been able to play good defense. They're 17-14 against Michigan at halftime. Uh, unfortunately, they've been really, they have struggled to move the football. And, you know, they're going to start Gavin Winsett, the redshirt sophomore at quarterback. We'll see what he can do. I think the team around Rutgers is much better than it was. They didn't take very many transfers. They've kind of tried to help their skill position. But, it, they'll play good defense. The question will be, can they move the football effectively? Yeah, and I think that the defense is what's going to win this for Rutgers. I do not have an official bet on my bet slip yet, but I lean laying it with Rutgers for, for a number of reasons, but returning five of their front seven, a big part of that. Offensively, in terms of moving the football, as you referenced, they did officially name a starting quarterback. I saw the report from Pete Thamel before we came on this morning. They're going with Bent Bryan over Brendan Sullivan, transfer 
from Cincinnati, uh, started 11 games with the Bearcats last season, 61.2 completion percentage at 2,731 yards and 21 touchdowns. Also spent some of his time in his career at Eastern Michigan. I think that's the right play. I covered Ben Bryant a little bit, um, and I think that he'll be able to get the job done here. Rutgers also does tend to play well in season openers, 11-2 their last 13 instances starting a season off at home. Plus, they'd lost their previous two games against Northwestern. I think this is an opportunity to maybe jump on the Wildcats in this spot. But, uh, but okay, let's get to, like I mentioned, those red chip, blue chip coaches. I was pretty excited when I was looking through this list, Michael, because it's just a reminder of how good some of the coaches really, really are in this league. And it starts at the top with you and Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, well, I mean, look, what Andy's been able to do is what most great coaches have to do. He's found the answer at quarterback, and he not had the first pick in overall to do it. You know, when he gets to Philadelphia and he has the high pick, he picks Donovan McNabb, and then he struggles in the transition from McNabb, got rid of McNabb at the right time, got a lot for him, but Kevin Cobb wasn't ready to play, and they kind of went into Michael Vick. And then it kind of fell apart. He goes to Kansas City. First thing he does, he takes Alex Smith, and they win right away. And you know, and that and that winning led him to say into himself, "I'm good, but now I got to get great." Same thing with Mike Tomlin. I mean, they get Kenny Pickett. You know, is Kenny Pickett an elite talent? No, but Kenny Pickett fits what they want to do. You know, Belichick's going through that too. I mean, he had Mac Jones make the playoff as a rookie. So there was, a, there was that moment where they were transitioning and then the stub in the toe last year. You know, Mike Vrabel's got to solve the quarterback position for him, but he manages the game really well. And then I think Sean Payton, a lot is on Sean. Sean's done a really good job. You know, a lot of people are critical of Sean, you know, not getting to a conference, not getting to a Super Bowl. But, I mean, you know, the one game you could go back to when the Rams won that game down in New Orleans on the non-pass interference call – kind of like kept him out of his second Super Bowl. So I still think Sean's a really good coach. Uh, I'm going to go with that, and I think he's still a blue-chip coach. We're going to find out this year. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with the first three names on on that list, Michael. I don't think that there could be any argument, especially knowing what Mike Tomlin has done season in and season out with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Bill Belichick, the history of Super Bowls. I was a little bit curious, though, what was your distinction between putting Mike Vrabel and Sean Payton up there against some of these other guys in your red chip category? You got Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks, Kyle Shanahan, who's been able to do yeah. so much despite not having a lot at the quarterback position. The list goes on. Well, I think Vrabel, you know, he's been able to win with a lot lesser talent than most of those other two coaches. I mean, Pete has done a great job, and Pete's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, even though the analytical community doesn't think Pete manages the game very well. Pete's criteria for what takes to get into the Hall of Fame, he meets it and checks all the boxes. You know, for me, Vrabel just, I don't think Vrabel's team's been that talented. I think his general manager has let him down. John Robinson got fired. They've got a lot of first-round picks that aren't even on the team. You know, and so he's been able to really get a team to play at a higher level than I thought that I thought its talent level says it is. And for him to do what he did last year in Kansas City, Kansas City's coming off their bye week and he goes in there with Malik Willis, gets a first down in the second quarter and then doesn't get another one until overtime. To me, was one of the greatest coaching uh, exhibits I've ever seen in my career. That that game belongs in the Hall of Fame. That game made him a blue chip coach to me. I don't think anybody else could have done that, and I, I credit him for that. But I think that's what that's what makes it. I think you could debate Sean, Pete Carroll. I think that's fair. I mean, look, 
one thing about we know about Kyle, Kyle has those ups and downs years, right? So, you know, until he got Garoppolo, he had the bear year, then Garoppolo gets hurt and things fell apart. One thing I think with Rabel, it's never really fallen apart. One thing about Sean, it's never really fallen apart. So I think that was the difference, Stormy. Yeah, and you think with Vrabel a couple years ago, just the the way that that team was riddled with injuries and still able to get in the position that they did was really, really impressive. The other names on your, your red chip list here, in addition to Kyle Shanahan and Pete Carroll, you got Sean McVay of the LA Rams, John Harbaugh, and Brian Dable. And the fact that you have Dable on here, I think, says a lot about the job that he did in his first year a season ago winning coach of the year with the Giants over 500 putting them in a good position despite their quarterback in a lot of instances and what they were able to do with Daniel Jones yeah and people say well where's Nick Sirianni and and I think Nick Sirianni's done a really good job coming up with the six-back offense but here's what I will say I've learned this through the evolution of hiring by Philadelphia after Chip Kelly I think Philly decided that they were going to hire a coach that their organization could help and grow. And they hired Peterson, and Peterson wasn't really ready to be a head coach when they hired him, but they kind of made him into one. And then the, condors, the, the, then the conflict came when he wanted to have more say because he felt like, since I won a Super Bowl, well, the organization really supported him. And I think it's the same with Seriani. I mean, look, they go out and hire Vic Fangio last year as, as a consultant to help Jonathan Gannon on defense. They do a lot to help the coach in Philadelphia. I'm not saying Nick's not a good coach, but they do a lot to help them there. Their organization takes the same approach that Al Davis took at the Raiders. We're going to help the coach along here. We're not going to rely on him to lead the program. So I think that's what I separate. And what Dayball did with essentially the same team in a horrible cap that he inherited from Joe Judge, he won nine games. So I think you have to give him credit for that. No Mike McCarthy, eh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mike's one of those guys that we I was talking to a coach in the league yesterday about Mike. Mike's one of those guys that didn't get a lot of respect because Mike's not flashy, you know, and Mike's game management. Sometimes you wonder what's going on. Uh, but I think this will be a great opportunity. You know, I know a lot of people that I respect that think Mike's an out- outstanding play caller. Quarterbacks that have played in the league and played for Mike. We're going to find out. Yeah. We're going to find out this year because I think he's got a lot of things working in his favor that he needs to show that he can bring it to life. Just keep an eye on the clock there, Mike. Uh, Everybody make sure you check out the GM Shuffle, the final installment looking at the quarterbacks tomorrow. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.